0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. If you have
1: your Bibles, turn with me today to Acts chapter 2. We're in a series of messages where we're looking at the description that's given at the end of this chapter by Luke, who wrote this book of what the church should be like. It's a, It's a model for the church that we see here. And for us, our vision as a church is life change. The vision of Calvary Church is life change. We believe that when people have an encounter with Jesus Christ, it changes their lives. In fact, that's, that's the filter for what we do. When we have to decide, is this something that has value for us as a church? Do we do it? Do we not do it? We run it through the filter. If lives aren't changed, then it's not worth doing. And we believe that life change happens when we connect, grow, and serve together. As we do those things, we believe that that's what facilitates the life change, to happen inside of us. Now, now the truth is you you've heard us say that a lot. Those words connect, grow, and serve. And as we come to Acts chapter 2, what we're going to find is we'll see these things played out. We'll see it lived out in the book of Acts. So we're going to take some time and talk about what do we mean when we say those words? They're not just cool words for us to say. How do they actually play out in our lives? Today I want to answer the question, what does it mean to connect? When we talk about this idea of connection, what does it mean? One of the verses that we use is Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Let's kind of just launch from there. Here's a picture of connection. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. With that verse kind of as our launching point, what I want to do in the next few moments is show you three ways that connection happens here at Calvary Church. When we say connect, what do we mean? And so we're going to look at three things today. Here's the first one. Number one Followers, fellowship. Number one, followers, fellowship. What we mean by that is if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you fellowship with other believers. Fellowship is is kind of a unique word. It's, it's a pretty churchy word. And we use it to refer to any time a group of people who have something in common get together. But the root idea of it actually goes it goes a lot deeper. And you see it for the first time in this passage, in verse 42, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Luke writes, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These devoted disciples were committed to fellowship. Now, you know that the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language, and the words that, that's used there for fellowship is this Greek word koinonia. It's a church word that we use sometimes. We like to throw that kind of Greek word around because of what it means. Anybody ever heard that word koinonia? Have you heard it before? And it's actually a very significant word. I think that's why we mention it. And when you wonder where does connection come from, if you're looking for how do you find connection in the church, connection comes from koinonia. It flows out of this idea of what this fellowship is that we have. Let me give you a definition for it. Koinonia is fellowship, the close association between persons, emphasizing what is common between them. So this close association between persons with the emphasis on the thing that we have in common. It's this special bond because of what Christ has done for us and who we are in him. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, then this is something that we share. I went to a, I went to a concert a little while back, and when the concert was done, we were, we were driving back home, and we were coming home on the turnpike, and it was late after the the concert was over, and so we pulled off one of the rest areas because I needed to get something to drink so I could stay awake because staying awake and driving is preferable, right? That's the way it, that's the way it works. So I went in there. I'm standing in line, and if you went to this concert, then they gave you kind of to show that you were your admittance to get in. You had this little wristband that you were wearing. And so I have my wristband on. I'm standing there. I'm waiting in line, and, and it's, it's late, right? And I kind of turn around, and I see this dude standing there, and he's got a wristband on. Now, he doesn't look anything like me, I don't know the guy at all. It's late at night. As a general rule, I don't talk to strangers on the turnpike late at night, right? Anybody else? <laughs> this is not what I do. But I see this guy and like immediately because I noticed the wristband on him like, hey, did you enjoy the concert? Yeah, did you? And we start having this dialogue. There were all these things, all these reasons why the two of us should never connect. But we saw these, this reason, this thing we had in common, and it immediately brought connection to us. That's Koinonia. Does that make sense? That's what we're talking about here when we use this word. See, salvation not only changes our relationship with God, it changes our relationship with others as well. When we experience life change through Jesus Christ, it's not just this vertical thing, it's a horizontal thing, and it affects our relationships with others. We've we looked at this kind of all throughout this series. That if, if Christ has has worked in our lives, then there will be a change that comes. Revival without revolution is just hype. If you've had God work something in your life and it's not caused a revolution inside of you, if it's not changed you, then maybe what happened wasn't as real as you might thought it was. And this plays out even in, in what happened to the disciples in this area of connection because they were converted they went from believing one thing and had a conversion and began to believe something else. Sometimes we use this word conversion with a, with a negative tone. This is a very positive thing. They experienced salvation, but their conversion also changed their relationship with each other. See, conversion without connection is just a fad. If you have a spiritual experience and if it doesn't connect you with other people, odds are that conversion isn't going to last because somewhere it has to affect our relationship with others. Jesus tells the story in Luke chapter eight, we often refer to it as the parable of the sower, where the farmer goes out and he sows seed, and it lands on different kinds of soil, and depending on the kind of soil, that's the kind of plant that that is able to grow, whether it's strong or weak, it talks about how some lands and the birds eat it, and some lands and the thorns choke it, and some lands and it never takes root, and some lands on good soil, and on that good soil, it grows. Our hope is that people have good soil when we share God's word. But the truth is many times we begin to grow and we don't take root. And the reason we don't take root is because we never connect with others. And if you have that conversion without a connection, odds are it's just a fad and it's not going to last. That's, that's huge. And on a day when we've done a, a bunch of child dedications, it's, it's probably good for you to know That this connection we talk about, if you're a parent or a grandparent, this is critically important in the lives of your children. That somewhere they have the interaction, the connection with other people, adults and students, people of faith, that when they go through challenges in life, when they go through tough times, when they advance in different seasons, they can come back to a foundation of what they believe, and other people who share those same values, this connection is critically important. One of the things that's interesting in verse 42 is that Luke says that the disciples were devoted to, watch these four things, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. And when I read those four things, my, my natural response is to categorize them. We've got, we've got the apostles' teaching, and we've got prayer. Those are spiritual things. And then we've got fellowship and the breaking of bread, and those are relational things. You know, I've got some things that are spiritual, some things are relational. But does Luke make that distinction? Actually, not at all. He takes fellowship and breaking of bread and sandwiches them with the two things that we would call spiritual because one of the things we need to see is that the relational side of our lives is still a spiritual side of our lives. Our interactions with others in our parenting, in our marriages, in our friendships, even in our workplace, that's a part of our spiritual lives, the relational is spiritual. There's, there's not this division between where I'm relational and where I'm spiritual. In every part of my life, my relational place in life is actually a spiritual place in my life. Why is that so significant? Because connection is at the core of who we are. Connection, that connection with other people, that interaction, that fellowship, that koinonia, is essential, it's at the very core of who we are. And whether we realize it or not, it's something that all of us desire and all of us need. The Boston Globe published an article not too long ago that, that got my attention. Let me read the headline for you and, and you see if you can tell when it gets my attention. The biggest threat facing middle-aged men. I got a good 20 years before this but by faith. It says, the biggest threat facing middle-aged men isn't smoking or obesity, It's loneliness, and then they mention these these statistics in the article. Loneliness has been linked to an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke and the progression of Alzheimer's. It goes on to say that one study found that loneliness can be as much of a long-term risk factor as smoking. In 2015, a huge study using data from 3.5 million people collected over 35 years found that those who fall into the categories of loneliness and isolation um, see their risk of premature death rise 26 to 32%. Loneliness, that lack of connection, affects us. It it hurts us, not just in emotional ways. It it actually can hurt us in physical ways. And yet, if I had a physical challenge, I I wouldn't be afraid to talk about it. I'd, I'd probably share it. I would get help... Loneliness is one of those things. A lack of connection is one of those things that we tend to push away and not talk about it and even ignore, and we forget that that's exactly how God has created us to be connected to one another. Life is a group project. We're wired that way. And not all of us like group projects. We would rather sing solos. And God's called us to be in a choir. And we're designed, we're wired, no matter who you are, you need that. Do some of the research, and you'll see the studies where they compare children who, who were born infants in a nurturing environment and, and those who were not, and how sometimes that difference that can make. The, the BBC did a television series a while back where they took six individuals who were successful, well-adjusted, stable individuals and put them in total isolation for 48 hours. Do you know what happened to those people? They went bonkers. They started talking to themselves, they started seeing things, they couldn't complete simple tasks because we're just not wired for a lack of connection. And some of us, we, we wanna talk ourselves out of it and say, well, I don't really need that, that's not really me. Let me challenge you, you don't realize how much connection you need until you lose it. We most realize our need for connection when we lose it. If you don't believe that, think about the last time you were on a phone call and you dropped your cell service. Like the call got cut off. How did you respond? Were you happy about that? We most know how much we need connection when we lose it. When we lose a job, we go through a breakup or somebody close to us passes away. That's when we realize how much we need it. And yet I think we've gotten a little numb to this whole need for connection because there's so many places where we have shallow or even fake connection, and so we begin to think that that some of that's real. Some of that's just in our our casual relationships that we have with people, where you say, hey, how are you, but you you don't really mean that. You don't really make that connection. What's really added to this, I think, is the online world that so many of us live in. I don't want to bash social media, because I think social media is a really great tool. It allows for us to have all kinds of communication and interaction with people. There's never been a time in in history when we've been able to kind of, Process and disseminate information like we do today. It's a very good thing But if most of your social interaction happens in a virtual sense you're missing out and probably what you have is largely very shallow and maybe even Illegitimate social connection and interaction. Here's part of the reason why do you know what you see from me? If you if you check out Facebook or Instagram or wherever you're only going to see my very best You don't see the real me You're gonna see my highlight reel but I'm not showing you behind the scenes. You, you only see this, this certain part, and that's not real connection. And then as a result of that, there's this shallowness in, in many of our relationships. Not too long ago, I've, and this happened a couple times to me lately, where I've had the chance to either bump in or interact with people who, who, let's say, I'm friends with on Facebook, and they're from maybe a different part of my life. I went to school with them or someplace where I lived, and people that I don't see that I don't interact with that often, And I feel like I'm connected to them because I saw a picture of their vacation and some sandwich they ate, you know, that kind of thing, right? I feel like I'm connected until I'm standing there looking at them face to face and I realize I got nothing to talk with you about. I like you a whole lot better on Facebook than I do in real life (laughs) because I think I've got connection, but I don't. Does that make sense? And so let me challenge you, make sure that your relationships go beyond just what is there that's online. Don't settle for some kind of virtual connection. We need face-to-face. Now, there's all kinds of benefits to the online world. I don't want to sound you know, like I'm bashing things. There's education, there's, there's, there's influence, there's communication. That's really cool. But it's tricky for iron to sharpen iron through a screen. There's something about communication that's really key. One of the larger themes that you're going to see as we move through the book of Acts is that the gospel is for everyone, not just for one people group, not just for one um, status or background. The gospel is for everyone. And this is why this idea of connection is so critical because connection breaks down our stereotypes. However we think about certain people, people that are different from us, when we connect with them, it helps to break down our stereotypes. I've told this story before, but this was this was years ago. We were we were meeting in our church on on Glendale in our former home, and I was driving to the church. I was heading north on Reynolds Road, and I was going to make a right onto Glendale. Does that, do you know where I'm going here? Are you tracking with me? So I'm north, going to make a right onto Glendale. There's a minivan that's in the intersection on Glendale. They're about to make a left and go south on Reynolds Road. Are you with me? People are tracking. Three people just pulled out their Apple Maps trying to figure out where I'm at, but it's all right. You're cool. Just track with me here. So I'm sitting here waiting for the light to turn, and I look over, and there's this family in a minivan. Two things that I notice about this family one, they don't look like me. Ethnically, they're different than I am, they, they, don't, they don't look the same way that I look, and I can tell even physically they're going in a different direction than I'm going. Here's the second thing I notice about this family very different from me in the minivan. Windows are down, it's a nice day. They have a, they have a pennant, they have a sign on their van that says Pittsburgh Steelers. I said, "Divine appointment." I look over. Dad's wearing a jersey. I don't know this guy, but I love him. Right? As I make my right hand turn, window down, I yell out the window, "Go Steelers!" Usually, if somebody yells at you in an intersection, it doesn't end well. This whole family lit up. They look over. He yells back, "Go Steelers!" Feeling like, "Yeah!" This kind of thing. Like, why? We had everything different. Even our very physical direction was different. But we found this place where we connected. It went past the stereotypes that I had of those people. And I had a divine appointment, praise God, with a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. (laughs) It breaks down those stereotypes when we focus on our connection and not just our differences. And we really need to understand this in the world that we live in. Our culture is hotly divided right now, isn't it? That's not how followers of Christ are supposed to be. Followers of Christ identify each other by who we are, not who we aren't. Not not pointing out our differences. Not trying to make that the main thing. But what do we share? That's this idea of fellowship. That's this idea of of koinonia that we talk about. When was the last time that you spent time with someone who's different than you are? When, When you deliberately interacted with someone of a different age, a different race, a different social status, people who've had a different experience. My experience recently, and and this has been something that God has really helped me with lately, is to interact with some friends who are different than I am. And as a result of that, I've come to understand more. See, I like living in my little bubble. I have a little bubble, and it's very comfortable in here. The problem is it's not real life. And as I interact with other people, then I I learn what it's like to to be from somewhere else. I learn what it's like to interact with someone who, who grew up different than I did. I can find out what it's like to experience poverty or to experience racism or to experience difficult family situations that maybe I never experienced but are very real for other people. And as I interact with them, then I grow, I'm better. That connection happens. It's a key thing. Let me challenge you with this. Do it. Find someone who's different than you are and develop this friendship, grow in this thing because it will not only make you a better person as a result, but it will allow us as believers to see the church move forward because of this because we're called to identify based on what we have in common and not what separates us. One last thing before we move on from this idea that that followers of Christ fellowship with one another And, and this is probably the part of this sermon that you are going to like more than anything else. If you're taking notes, write this down. Three words, food helps fellowship. Can I get an amen? It's true. If you want to have a meeting in the morning and you want the presence of the Lord to be there, I got one word for you, donuts. Every time it changes it. Right, why? Because something happens in a spiritual sense when we physically eat together. Eating is an extension of fellowship. Whether it's your family meals, whether it's the times that you go out with somebody or you have somebody over to your home or you interact with someone over a meal of some kind, something powerful happens. It's a biblical thing. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says they broke bread together. It was one of those four things that they were committed to. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says that they went to other people's homes and they broke bread together. This isn't just because I'm hungry and it's lunchtime and I wish I was done preaching, this is because this is biblical. <laughs> Now, in verse 42, scholars believe that when they say broke bread, a lot of that has to do with sharing the Lord's Supper, communion together. When they would come together and break bread and be reminded of what they share in Christ. But especially in verse 46, this isn't just this spiritual act of, of coming to the Lord's table. This is an act of coming to your table, sharing your supper together, interacting with each other in this powerful thing. Here's why I think this is so key. When you share a meal with someone... You are equal in that moment. doesn't matter your experience, your status. I need to eat. You need to eat. We share in that moment, and it breaks down barriers, and I'm open then in that time for us to communicate in a way that we might not be in other times. There is something powerful about this. Let me encourage you. Find a way to do this sometime soon. Invite someone over to your home. Or maybe there's somebody that you know that, that you, you could have some influence with. Maybe God's put in your heart to make a connection with. Invite them to, to go to a meal or to, or to share a meal together. And let's, let's take each other off the hook. If it's somebody that's in this room and you, and you feel like God's encouraging you to, to say, hey, let's, let's grab breakfast or let's grab lunch. There's this fear that you sometimes go, it's like, hey, if I invite them, I might have to pay for them. Right? You think that? How about this? We'll just split it. Does that sound good? I pay for me, you pay for you. Let's not let that be a hindrance to putting ourselves in a place where we can enjoy some fellowship, where God can be at work in our lives because followers, fellowship, koinonia. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing, and and we say this a lot, but I think you'll, you'll see that it's important to us. When you get to verse 46, and we'll look at this in a moment, the church got together. They met together, and they had to have their priorities right. For us, when we talk about connection, here's the second thing. Names are more important than numbers. It's not just about how many people. It's about the stories. It's about what God is doing in people's lives. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They spent time together. And in our culture, in our day, where we see this happen for a for followers of Jesus Christ is primarily through the church. This first church that we talk about, growth was important to them. You see this because they calculated growth. The first church calculated growth. Verse 41 it says that 3000 people were added to their numbers. Why do you think that was significant? Because they wanted to know how many people because they had to know how do we care for these people? How do we come together as a church? Numbers are a good thing. They can become a distraction. But anything that is growing is healthy, right? Or if it's healthy, it's growing. And so as a result, we need to watch and see, is this happening, or are we growing? They calculated that growth, but the growth is not what it's all about. They celebrated the growth because people's lives were being changed. This first church not only calculated it, but the first church celebrated it. It says at the end of verse 47 that they celebrated that God was adding to their number daily. And we celebrate that. We've seen over the course of the last seven years, God brings some unique growth to our church. We had 70 people in our vision and values group on Wednesday night. We're having to do renovations down on the other end because we need more space for for the children that are coming. And this is a powerful thing. We're excited about what God's doing because there's something important about when the church comes together. Do you remember where it said they met? That they met in the temple courts. Why is that significant? Well, for one thing, that's where the, the good Jewish people in Jerusalem would go to meet. That's where they would go to worship. That was the place. But it was also a large place where they were able to all come together and all worship together. There, there's thousands of them now, right? And so these thousands would come together and they would worship. What's, what's seen here is that there is something important about when the body of Christ comes together and worships together. Big connection is important. When we gather on a Sunday, when we worship, when, when we are um, looking at God's word and we're challenged by that and we're corporately as a church going in the same direction, that big connection is important and it reminds us that we're a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. But not just that big connection, it also says that then they would go into each other's homes and they would break bread. Big connection is important, but small connection is important. Having those places not just where you're a part of something bigger than yourself, but a place where you can interact with each other and you have a connection for yourself, where you are known by those that are there and you can encourage each other. I've been a part for, I don't know, several years now of a group of guys that gets together kind of every other week and we just come together. It's nothing fancy, it's nothing complex. We have breakfast together. We talk about God's word. We read some scripture and then we come together and talk about that. That morning we pray with each other We share kind of what we're going through with each other. And I walk away every time we meet, and I'm better because of that interaction in this small group where I'm known and I know them, and and God's able to work through us to encourage each other. This big connection that we have on Sundays is important, but that small connection that you have with others is critically important, and we need to look at that and reach out to others in the process. I want to encourage you, Um, to to take those steps and, and do that and did you notice it says there how often they met it says that they were meeting daily in the temple courts and some of you are just about to check out because you're thinking to yourself i am not going to church every day what's important here i don't think is the frequency it's not that they went every day it's the consistency it's that they had a schedule and that they chose to go And there's something significant about the things in our lives that we do with consistency because they have value to us and they make a difference to us. The things that I do with consistency are the things that have great effect in my life. They were going on a regular basis. And I think that's key for us to know about fellowship. Whether it's big or whether it's small, doing it with consistency is what makes a difference. Here's what I've found in my life. There's certain things that I do that are, have you heard the phrase hit or miss? certain things I do that are hit or miss. What I've found is hit or miss fellowship ends up being mostly miss. Not much hit, mostly miss. And until I make a decision and determination that this is important in my life, I will continue to miss. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I'm, I'm well aware of the fact that you're here today. So if I'm talking about being in church, I'm preaching to the choir. But, but know this, it's so much more than this. When we talk about connection, it's not just showing up to church on a Sunday. But where are the places that I'm making other deliberate connections? You talk generally about connection. What about that connection between you and your spouse? Or between you and your kids or your parents? What about that connection with your friends? What about that connection where you know there's iron sharpening iron? If these things aren't deliberately happening, then we're not deliberately having the benefits of these things. It's important that we have connection with consistency. Let's say you and I are having a conversation, and I, and I say to you, hey, do you, go to the, do you go to the gym? You ever work out? You're like, yeah, I go to the gym. I go to the gym. I go, you know, I once, once every month or two or three. Once every, once every month, or two or three. But I got, a mem- I got a membership. I got a membership to the gym. Man, I pay every month. I go to the gym. But I, go, I only go like maybe three times a year, <laughs> three times every two years. And you're like, you're like, you know, like I asked you to go to the gym. You say not that much. And I say, yeah, I can tell, right? <laughs> because you say you go, but you don't go with any consistency. So you don't have the benefits of that. What good does a membership do you if you're not seeing the benefits from it. Does that make sense? The same is true with connection in our lives. If we aren't deliberately doing that with consistency, we won't see the benefits that we talk about. And don't take this in the wrong sense, what I'm about to say, but this is critical. You are responsible for your own connection. Nobody else is. Not your family, not your friends, not your church. You're responsible for your own connection. No one else can do it for you. That's why we, we say things like, you know, hey, stop by the hub or sign up for this or we encourage you to, to go online or do whatever because no one can do this for you. You have to do this for yourself, and that's, and that's critically important. What I love about this, this message today is we've talked about connection before. You know when we usually talk about connection? Just before we launch our connect groups. Because we're kind of like pushing, hey, you need to do this. So we want to kind of push you into doing this. We're not launching anything today. We're not starting groups till the fall. This is just, we came to this subject because it's in the text. It's right here in Acts where we're walking through. So no, this isn't us trying to sell anything. This is a biblical principle that's critically important in our lives. That's why you're responsible for your own connection. But know this too. You make possible another person's connection. You're responsible for your own, but you make possible in others. And God may have put you in a place where you can be open to to inviting someone to join you in a group or taking part in a ministry or or encouraging them to to maybe join you for a meal, finding some place where you can help that person to make a connection. And just so you know, that could make all the difference in somebody's life. James chapter 5, James writes and says to us at the very end of the book, he says, look, if you see someone who has wandered off, and you can go, and you can pull that person back in, if you can help them make a connection back to their faith, you literally can make an eternal difference in that person's life. And there may be people in your life that God has put in that place. Look, you're responsible for your own connection, but know this, as a follower of Christ, what's the language that scripture uses? It says we're a family. It says we're brothers and sisters. We may make connection for someone else, Something that's possible. We're, we're blessed here as a church with, with a beautiful facility that God has allowed us to have favored us with, and we have this giant atrium that's out there, right? We have that big space. Look, we have this cafe that's out there. We don't have it just so you can get coffee to stay awake during the sermon, although it helps. Can I get an amen? The reason we have it is so that you can connect, so that you can interact with other people. And so I would encourage you, don't just, don't just kind of roll in and roll out on a Sunday. Allow God to work and bring divine connections and have these conversations. I, I heard of one just this morning out in the atrium that literally was a divine connection that took place between two people. Why? Because God can do that kind of thing. I heard a story a while back of, of two guys that were standing down in the preschool area waiting to pick up their kids, and the, the typical dude conversation is this. Hey, "Hey, right? That's a conversation. It's deep. That's deep conversation. Instead, the other guy said, "Hey, this is my name, what's your name?" Tell me your story a little bit. They have become great friends because somebody was willing to say, hey, let's make a connection. So don't be afraid, especially if you feel the Spirit's prompting just to, just to say to somebody, hey, hey, nice, nice to meet you. Glad you're here. Something like that. Here's what you don't say. If you see somebody you don't know, don't say this to them. This is, this is a bad opening line. Hey, you new here? Because then typically they'll look at you and go, no, I've been here for five years, which also is code for we won't be friends, right? Isn't that how that works? But just say to them, hey, my name's Chad. What's your name? It's, it's good to meet you. Don't say this. Don't say, hey, it's nice to meet you. Don't say, hey, it's good for you to meet me. Don't say that, right? But find a way to make those connections because that's where when that connection happens, God can use that and do something through that. If you know someone, interact with them. If you don't make that connection, we had something really weird happen here this week in our office. We found out one day this week, that somebody who's gone to Calvary for years had died two weeks ago. And we never knew it. Like, like we found out like after the fact. Funeral's done. Grieving's on. Nobody from the church. I mean, we just randomly kind of found out. No, nobody, nobody ever called or told us or interacted. And as a pastor, that was, that was kind of Tough. Two thoughts that kind of came to my mind. One was, it's a shame that that person never took the initiative to connect. And, and, and we, can, we can say that. We can push that and kind of go, man, they, they just never really connected. But the other side of it is, how come we never connected with them? How come that was able to happen and, and the, the family didn't have anybody to call? The family didn't have that kind of thing. You know what they found? That when a church gets to about 100 people, it, it's not possible for like a, a single pastor to be able to connect with everybody. We're there, right? In fact, we're, we're really at a point where it's not just not, just one person, but even our whole team is not able to connect with everybody. You know what that means? That we're all responsible for each other, right? In fact, I, I'm not the only shepherd in the room. I think we're all called to shepherd each other and have an influence in each other. That's why connection matters. Why is this so important? If you know somebody who, who needs to connect somewhere, invite them to a group. Ask them to go to a meal. Find a way to connect Number three, last thing, very quickly, it's because we are better together. It's just the absolute truth. In the faith that we share, we're better together. Followers of Christ are together in faith. We have this truth, this koinonia that we've looked at. And when we go through tough times, if we have that foundation, it's a powerful thing. We're together in faith, and followers in Christ are together in challenges That when I go through a struggle, when I go through a tough time, I know that you're there for me, and when you go through a tough time, I know that I can be there for you. One of the most powerful things that I've ever seen happen is, and I've seen it multiple times, I've been a part of it, and I've had it done for me. When a group of friends or people, a connect group in the church, will come together and be there for each other during times of challenges, that is a powerful thing. That's what's at the heart of this story in Acts 2. They're going through persecution. There's this whole new thing happening. They're from out of town, and yet God brings them together. Why? Because followers of Christ are together in strength. We find strength in each other. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three strands, that's connection, is not quickly broken. This message will have a tendency to to hopefully, as the Spirit works in your heart, kind of take you in one or two directions. One is to go, God, I see the places where I need connection in my life. Help me to find it. The other is to say, God, I I know people who need connection in their life. Help me to offer it. In either way, this subject is, is bigger than just people hanging out or people knowing you by name. This literally can make an eternal difference. At the beginning of this message, we showed you a video of a a story to help us to see what connection does not look like. This last week, there was an item in the news that really caught my attention because it showed exactly what connection should look like.
0: Please turn your attention to the screens. It's extraordinary video as complete strangers band together into a human chain to come to the rescue of a family caught in a riptide.
1: The water, when it starts going around, there's nothing that can save you.
0: 80, yes, 80 beachgoers rushed into the water and joined hands when they heard the I cries for help. It happened on a beautiful beach day in Panama City, Florida, on the Gulf Coast. A young mother of four was enjoying a day at the beach when she saw two of her boys out in the water screaming for help. They were caught in a deadly riptide. Mom bravely swam to their rescue, but she got caught in the riptide as well. So did the boy's grandmother. Others tried to help. Altogether, nine people were in danger of drowning. The chain started in very shallow water close to shore. It went on for 300 feet in water about 15 feet deep. Jessica Simmons was having dinner on the beach when she heard the cries.
1: I was like, I can help these people. I grabbed a, a man's hand, another man, I don't even know who they were, <laughs> and I
0: grabbed their hands and just pulled, pulled the last girl in. You can see someone exhausted being carried out of the water. Bystanders on the beach erupted in shears when the last person was rescued. <laughs> Once safely on shore, she collapsed on the beach. Among those rescued was eight-year-old Steven Ursi and his mom, Roberta.
1: We got caught in the current and, well, our mom had to go in after me and my brother and the people made a human chain and pulled us out. As a mom, I'm supposed to be able to protect them and do everything and I couldn't do it that day. I had to have help.
0: The boy's grandmother suffered a heart attack during the ordeal and is still in the intensive care unit. The whole family is forever thankful to all those strangers who formed a human chain that saved their lives. Had we not done what we did, they would have drowned.
1: Isn't that a fascinating story? And isn't that exactly what we're talking about? They formed a human chain that saved their lives. Look, there, there may be somebody that's, that's even here in this room that's drowning, and you'd never know it. And they need someone to make that connection to them. It might even be you. And what might save your life might be that connection. Look, there's something powerful about what we're talking about here. You know what I love in that video too? Didn't you see every kind of person? <laughs> and they were there, and it was time to connect. They made it happen. Look, this is more than just a a sermon that we have to preach because we use this word on our promo materials. This is right at the heart of who the church is. And it can make all the difference in the world in your life or in the life of another person. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are for just a moment. And maybe for some of you, the very first step is that you actually need to connect with God. The Bible tells us that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Jesus, the son of God, came in human flesh. That's connection. And he gave himself on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And that if you'd ask him to be your savior, that means the one who forgives your sins. And ask him to be your Lord, meaning the one who gives direction to your life. And the Bible tells us that that we can be saved. We can have that connection with God. And if, if you if you don't have that, and you know that you need it, in just a moment when I pray, I would encourage you to ask God to be your Savior and your Lord. And maybe for some of you, God's, God's put someone on your heart today, maybe some person or some group, and is asking you to help to make a connection there. Would you do more than just pray in this moment, but would you... Would you make a a decision to take the initiative to reach out and and make that connection? And possibly what you need here today is you're desperate for some connection. I don't know what place or what area or, or what season your life's in. But maybe for some of you, the simple prayer that you need to pray right now is God, would you help me to find that connection that you have for me? Father, we thank you for your word teaches us. It encourages us. Helps us to see you better and to know you, God. And what I pray that the things that we've heard from your word today would stick in our hearts, that this idea of connection would be more than just a, just a buzzword or just some kind of passing thing. But God, would you allow us to establish deep relationships based on who you are and our identity in you that would not only bring, bring something powerful to our lives, but Lord, that the lives of others would be changed because of the connection of your church. Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Father, would you send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.